Son of God, He is near. He chose to walk with us these tribal trails. Tribal trails. Tribal Hello. We appreciate all our loyal Tribal Trails viewers and welcome new ones tuning in. We have two separate guests on today's program who both just happen to be from the same church at Kikno, Alberta. Later on, Bill Jackson will have a teaching from the Bible related to today's topic. But first, we're going to meet our first guest, Harold Cardinal. As a young man, he was involved in a situation that deals with the serious subject, and he's going to discuss it with Rita. Before we get to that, though, let's get to know a little bit about Harold as he shares some of his testimony and faith journey. Well, I have a storyline. I, uh, I was born and raised in a different denomination. So ever since I was 6 to 12 years old, like I'd attended this denomination, uh, like it was like clockwork for me to go attend church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. I can remember having even a prayer life, like where I, more I, I talked to God rather than I think praying to Him from the ages of 6 to 12. But in that particular den- denomination, there'd be some ladies come down through the summer. They teach catechism, they called it. So I learned a whole lot of things like about creation, about... Uh, Noah, Moses, Daniel in the lines then. Learned a lot about the birth, the death and resurrection of Jesus. So in my younger life, I think God was calling me and put into or instilled in me an information base of a little bit of who Jesus was, a little bit of his holy word, but I, it's not like I was all of a sudden, I, I was a little, little boy Christian. Yeah. I was a little boy, altar boy, who felt really proud in a little black gown and a little white shawl placed over it. Like, but at the same time, though I can recall as being a kid that young, I prayed, not every day, but I prayed often. So my life took me to, like, say from 12 years old, I just kind of forgot about God. I just thought about me. Um, that was my life. I got married. My wife Jean was in uh, the Evangelical Fellowship. Oh. Bill Jackson was the minister in Kikano. Oh. So I don't know if it was because I just wanted to make a show with my new in-laws or it's because I loved my wife. I'd like to think it was a little bit of both that I started attending the Evangelical Fellowship. Well, in the prior fellowship, what I learned is a lot of storylines about from the Bible. I learned, like again, about prayer. Prayer. I learned about Jesus dying on a cross, his resurrection, uh, and his birth. Christmas time, his birth time, right? And so, like as life went on, it seemed like the earlier learning in my life. It's like, I put it like this, like God called me all the way through and kept me and uh, guarded me and delivered me from myself in a lot of ways. And then when I got to 20 and into the evangelical fellowship, all of a sudden I was being taught that 
It's for up to you to call on Jesus to come into your heart. This was all new to me. I'd come from more of a ritual-based learning. Now I was like looking kind of in the same way that calling on Jesus to come into your heart, another ritual, altar calls, another ritual, walk up to the front and now you're saved. Eh? But there was a time when I was getting closer to like in between 25 to 30 years old. I don't have specific dates but I was attending fellowship again with my wife, Jean, and Bill Jackson was our minister. And I got out of that particular fellowship time and the sermon where that Bill preached, I come out of there looking like all over, kind of around me all over because it's just like he spoke directly to me. And I knew, like I knew there was something different, very, very different in my life at that time. I'd have to say that that's when, on that particular day, not formally, but like I called on Jesus to come into my life. It wasn't long thereafter that I attended the altar call. Again, that was still more uh, ritualistic than it was like me surrendering my life to God. As life goes on, I've learned the value of not only asking Jesus into your heart, but also submitting and giving your life to him this is my desire to honor you lord with all my heart i worship you All I have within me, I give you praise. All that I adore is in you. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul I live for you alone every breath that I take every moment I'm awake Lord have your way in me desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you, all I have within me, I give I give you my soul, 
Now that we've learned a bit about Harold, we'll focus in on a specific time of his life. He was in his early 20s when he married his wife, Jean, in 1975. However, not long into his marriage, sadly, Harold attempted suicide. Obviously, he survived it, and he wants to share the lessons he learned from that experience. Often, the events surrounding suicide are complicated and tragic, but there's hope. While there may not be easy answers to issues like suicide, hope comes from faith in Jesus Christ. Let's return to Rita and Harold to hear his story. I praise God for his faithfulness for all the times I can remember that he protected me from myself, from my own foolishness, from things that I did. I know he delivered me from alcohol. It's not like I was an everyday drunk, but I was a weekend drinker, party guy. eh? And as time went on, like as I kept on learning more and more about God and Jesus Christ, my Savior, those things became lesser important to me. It's not like I had the appetite for it. So I was eventually able to like one week just say, I want to quit drinking. And the next week, it just seemed like I had quit a long time ago. Another traumatic thing, well, actually a big thing, uh, it's that I did to myself was when I was 22 years old, I attempted suicide. Oh, after you were married? After I was married. I had given up hope on life. I, I know today that I was being very selfish, but during that, those early years of my marriage and different other things that were going on around me, I, I guess just couldn't handle it and decided that like life wasn't worth the living. So I turned a gun on myself and attempted suicide. I'm thankful again, God there like fully, fully delivered me from myself, from the evil that was encompassed not only in me, but around me. He saved me from dying at that time. I think today I would have been dancing with the devil if my life would have been taken. But in his mercy again, and his grace towards me, whatever purpose he had for me, it seemed like he kept me alive. He really shot, you really shot yourself? This, if, we're filming right now. This is the result of an attempted suicide. This prosthesis on this left side, at one time I tell people, well, I had one heck of a left hook at one time when I was younger. 22 years old, I lost my arm because of my own sinful stupidity. Yeah, and God brought you through that. I know for a fact God delivered me from my own like full sinful foolishness many times over when I was young. Uh, I think he worked out in me like uh, things that were relative to my own vanities, my own prides, my own lusts, things that like I thought I was, I certainly was not. And then as I found my way, all of a sudden I fully realized that I had purpose, I was loved, I was cared for, I was wanted. I didn't didn't really know why God would want to save somebody like me. But as I've studied scripture, continued my prayer life, had the life experiences that I've had, 
I know that God loves me and I know that he loves everyone. He wants us all to go home to be with him when we close our eyes and go to sleep under the sun here for the last time. What did you think? And afterwards, how did, did you call on God right away? It was a night where I drank a little bit and I come in and I got hold of a 410 shotgun and I put it to my chest. The intent was to die. Pull the trigger. Don't remember much of anything for about three or four weeks. Ended up in the hospital in intensive care. Uh, didn't, like, absolutely didn't know anything for, like I'm saying, four weeks. Come out of it. Eventually healed. And they tell me, like, that when I was being taken to Edmonton in an ambulance, uh, there were some people from Kiwaitan. I forget what there there were older teachers there. Well, some of the people that first... Anyway, his wife was a nurse. And she told my wife, Jean, that with your husband, he prayed all the way to Edmonton. He, we talked about God all the way to Edmonton. I have no memory of that at all. Mm-hmm. She said that same night we took another guy to Edmonton and all he did was swear. It was kind of a neat story after I heard it that all of a sudden here I am praying, not even knowing I'm praying and there's another fellow over here cussing and cursing because of like where he was at in his life. So yes, for whatever reason, the immediacy of like wanting to talk to God was with me. That's something I, I cherish as a memory that is like something that was very true. How did Jean react to that? We were young and married. That was within the first couple of years of our marriage. Uh, During that first couple of years, we run into our own trials and tribulations with one another. We kind of like, I guess because we met, we didn't really know one another. We just kind of got to be with one another. And then from there, it was like hit and miss learning, like, all the way through and like a lot of the learning that we were learning from one another some of it was not so great our relationship in areas was not so great it wasn't like the love that we thought we found when we first met one another like and so there were a lot of things or things that happened between us that was difficult to establish the relationship Uh, it was to define love as to what love was between the both of us. And how actually Jean felt about it was when I was in the hospital. It seemed that's to me that's when she really started showing like a love to me, like through her actions. She was at the hospital, like uh, she come and stayed at a friend's place in Edmonton for two or three weeks and would come and visit me every day from 11 o'clock in the morning till 8 o'clock at night. And so she was with me often. Like, So how she really felt about it, like, I don't really ever know like what she really felt other than that it seemed to bring us closer to one another. A lot of people, especially young people on our reserve today, think that that is a way out. I don't see that harming yourself in any way is a way out. I see all you do is cause yourself harm. I see that it's 
something that's just totally selfish because all you're thinking is about is you. You don't think about the people that are around you that love you lots. You don't think about the family you have with you that love you lots, that care for you. All you're doing is thinking about the poor you, who you what condition you think you might be in, making it up in your heart and your mind that life is not worth the living. And I think the evil one has something to do with interfacing that in your heart and your mind. Once you get on that thought line, like because pulling the trigger on that gun that, that night, it wasn't hard to do. It was just like, I was going to do it. I figured, I, this all, I thought, uh, well, this is what I have to do. And that's what I did. And it was after the fact that, like, yes, I, I called on the Lord in the ambulance. And when I was in the hospital, like, I lived uh, a time, a very spiritual experience in the hospital, where at that time, I did ask Jesus into my heart. I was 22 years old. I don't know how fully accepted that was. I think I, I really, truly had known that God was present with me in my experience. I cried lots. I reflected lots on my life. I uh, took the experience and grew from it. And... Uh, just continued thereafter. After a while, it was like kicking myself for another sinful evil that I did in my life. It was not taking it for granted, just knowing like, it's like, well, why, Harold, did you do something foolish like that? Yeah. You know, like, you shouldn't have. Like, you know, if you could do it all over again, you'd say, no, I'd never do that ever again. Yeah. Not because I'm older now, but if, even when I was younger, it was like that. Why did you do something so stupid, Harold? The Bible says God works all things together for good. Perhaps one reason Harold survived his suicide attempt was so that he could share his story with us today. And perhaps somebody watching now needs to hear it. Harold was a young man when he attempted suicide, and it is among the teens and young adults, especially in First Nations, that suicide rates are highest. Bill Jackson is going to teach from a passage in Second Timothy about what the world will be like in the end times. Since those days are described as perilous times, it isn't hard to see a connection to suicide. And that's what Bill is going to talk about. Just like Harold, Bill is going to show that there is hope in Jesus Christ. And even further, how parents could show that hope to their children. If you would like more information and resources about suicide and other subjects, please contact us. Let's join Bill. It's not evidence on the outside, like in nature, but in the lives of people. And the picture is not great, but the picture is there. He said to him, Paul said to Timothy, this know also, that in the last days, Perilous times shall come. This is the 
know this also. All right. Perilous times shall come for men, people, shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. All right. So, what it's saying is, toward the end times, people are not going to be followers of the word of God. They're not going to heed the things that belong to God. There's a time, and we can say, as I read this, this is being a, a gradual deterioration in a family that children have not been taught. And, well, maybe they were taught at times, but when other things are more important than teaching our, our own children, then they don't, they don't come out with good success. Well, there are taught that about disobedience, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And then the, uh, about children, yet if they were taught in the word, they have more chance of coming to the Lord Jesus Christ than if they haven't been taught at all. In fact, I got some scriptural support. One is in the Old Testament. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Well, I know this, that when children are starting to be independent, yeah, right about a dozen years or so, they, uh, they have not, if they have nothing to go by, the evil one is the ruler of this world. He'll make sure that those children are fed something from the world from which they will disobey mom and dad. Then, what have they to live for? If the word isn't taught. Now I can spend a lot of time and I'd like to spend more time another time on this subject. One is that when you have time, more time for other things, you love yourself, you love pleasure more than being a lover of God. One of the things I want to let you know is the dreadful thing about children not being taken care of, loved by father and mother, taught in the ways of God, is when he starts talking about suicide. Yeah. I've had phone calls. Can you talk to my son? Can you talk to my daughter? 
However, I can tell you what you should talk to them about. You could go back to that person, to that young guy or girl that talked about ending her life, his life, because you've got nothing to live for. You could say to him, I'm sorry that I have not taught you when you were, when you were younger about life and about God, about salvation. I'm sorry. And we come to this part. We love you. We want you to keep on on earth and trust God to give you a new life. I said, talk to them like that. It's the only thing I can say. And you know, something like that could work, but after a child, growing a teenager perhaps, has got that in his mind, there's something missing in his life. And that is what he was pursuing was not the answer. The First Nations are the first in line on suicide. At the rate we're going, there was usually more First Nations committing suicide than any other ethnic group. See, I've been in this ministry for quite some time, and what I see, what I know, what I've been in, involved in uh, with parents and young people, it hasn't been great in many cases. But I say, it's not too late. It's not too late. You yourself, parents, if you come to the Lord, Come to trust in Jesus Christ. Change your ways. God can do great things in your life. God can save you. And young people, I know if they see a difference in you, if they see some love in you, there could be a difference. Make a difference. God bless you good. God be with you. Talk to God about these matters. Make a difference in your life. All who thirsty, all who are weak, come to the fountain. Dip your heart in the stream of life, let the pain and the sorrow be washed away. Waves of his mercy as deep cries out to deep. We sing, Come, Lord Jesus, come, come, Lord Jesus, come. All who all who are weak come to the fountain dip your heart in the stream of life let the pain and the sorrow be washed away as the waves of his mercy as deep cries out to deep.
sing come 